Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. So movement and multiplication, our new series, and uh, the birth of the church as it moves out into its calling from God around the world. The church was never intended to stay put in one place. It was always inspired by God to be uh, a moving entity that reaches people and doesn't depend on them coming to us. Now, as a church here, a lot of people come to us, and you may be someone who's new to us. In fact, you may be here for the first time today, but uh, that's a good thing. But it's also our responsibility to go, and and we are exploring ways to go all the time with expansion of our ministries into community in various different ways. And uh, I've got this little clicker this morning, and I realise I've got to hit the button, so um, it's going to be quite interesting. So this new series, what we do know is that safety to scalability always comes with struggle in God's kingdom. It's an extraordinary thing. Safety to scalability goes through struggle. There's a, a, now you're probably thinking, what on earth am I talking about? When God um, conceived the church, in fact, we talked about this in the staff meeting. Adam mentioned it. He said, Acts 1.8 becomes a reality in Acts 8.1. And it's so true. And that's what we're going to look at in just a moment. The reality of what God had said would happen, happened. And yet there was a great struggle attached to the movement of his people out of that comfort zone. Even though in Jerusalem, the church was under some degree of, of hostility and there were pressures there. The real pressures um, were required for the church to scatter. And we'll explore what that was all about um, later on. But this book of Acts, um, Acts 8, particularly focuses on a, a chap called Philip. Um, Philip is the first known evangelist in the Bible who's actually called an evangelist. In fact, to my knowledge, he's the only one in the New Testament actually called an evangelist. And um, he's, I love this book. For me, there's something about my own journey attached to, particularly this chapter actually with Philip. I absolutely love it. You know, just before I get into this as well, there's a church movement uh, or, or a movement of the church in India right now that is absolutely mind-blowingly colossal. Um, in India, um, there's a guy called Jossie Chako who's been planting churches for a number of years now. Uh, their, their vision is to, to see 30,000 churches planted in India. How are they doing it? Because they're going, and they're going, and they're reproducing their, their, their disciples, reproducing disciples and planting churches, and they're doing it on an immensely fast scale. In Britain, we live in our kind of UK bubble, our Western European bubble, where we're actually we're used to everything we're familiar with, but we don't realise what God's doing around the world. There's some enormous moves of God going on. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people coming to faith around the world. And so we can't measure our observation of the kingdom by what goes on inside this room. It has to be our understanding of the bigger picture. But Philip, um, extraordinary character, he was originally um, identified within the church in Jerusalem in Acts 6 in the New Testament um, as a man who was a great server. And you may be wondering in your own life, how can I develop ministry? What's my ministry? Who am I? What is, has God really got a ministry? Well, let me firstly say that every one of us is called. A calling is not something that's separated for one or two. We're all called. We're all called by God. We're called by God to respond to his voice, to respond to his call. 
Uh, and Philip was one of the men who responded to his call. And he, he saw his, his, his response as one of serving. But his, the, the people around him in, in Jerusalem in Acts 6, they saw his, his character shining through himself. They saw who he was. They saw he was a man who was after God's heart, even though the Bible doesn't say that, those words particularly. Uh, it, it shows us that he was highly respected. It says that he was filled with wisdom and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that was his kind of credentials for serving and distributing food. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, we should never put down um, elements of what we do. Serving food is the vehicle to reaching people. It's the start of ministry. Serving is always the start of ministry. And that's what Philip understood. He, he was just obedient. And he understood what God was doing. And he, he was effectively the first missionary. Did you know that? Because when the church was scattered, the first person we re- read about is Philip. So the great persecution happens in Jerusalem. And Philip is the first character that we're presented with in Acts. Now we know there are other missional things going on in the New Testament. And in Jerusalem there were missional things. But Philip was the first one who went outside of his safe zone into a missional context into Samaria, which were the Gentiles. And they, as you know, classically the Jews and the Samaritans, there was a huge clash there, massive clash. It's like going into your, your arch enemy's camp. Uh, which is what God did. He caused this scattering um, so that people like Philip would go. Um, you know, Jesus has called us all. And what is, do we know about Jesus? In Mark 3, we know that in verse 14, he called the apostles. He called those who are, his, um, those who are following him. He called them to be with him first. And the danger with calling is that we think it's about us and what, what, what is in us. It's actually the calling is always to Jesus. The calling is to Jesus and he calls us to himself. And if we lose sight of that, then we lose sight of the bigger picture. The calling is first to Jesus so that we find out what he wants us to therefore do. Our calling has got to be to him first. It's not about doing jobs in church. It's not about um, being busy. It's about being called to Jesus first. I just want us to remember that as we go through this. And, uh, and we're going to explore this morning three primary results of our kingdom call because Jesus has called us to be in his kingdom. He's called us to be in his kingdom. So the first one is a calling to action. How do we, act, we react when adversity comes along? How do we react when, when it's really tough? Well, how do we react when, when there's a massive problem kicking off in our life? How do we react? Um, we have a couple of choices. Well, we have one choice, really. We have to react to it. We can't just do nothing. Sometimes, though, people are filled with fear. They're filled with fear, and that fear makes them immobile, and they just don't know what to do, and they sit tight, and they're waiting for someone to, to tell them what to do in places of fear. There are some, though, that will, will rise up in a situation where there's great adversity. And in that rising up, um, it requires an inner strength. Now, if we've responded to Jesus' call to be with him, we will have that strength when adversity comes along. And the, other op- the opposite to that, of course, is in adversity, rather than stepping up, people lock themselves away because that fear drives them in the opposite direction and they're just locked away. And in many ways, the Christians in Jerusalem, those who are following Jesus Christ, they were in a position where, where they were being persecuted. And effectively, God allowed that situation to happen, I believe, to scatter his church for purpose. So God, I don't believe God uh, originates pain and suffering for us, but things happen that 
he permits in order for a bigger reality to come to bear. He's got a bigger purpose. And so if we're in a time of suffering right now, a time of adversity, don't look at that as, as the end point. Look at it as a vehicle for what God might well be doing in your life. In fact, I believe as believers, if we are called to Jesus Christ and we know him, no matter how tough the suffering, God will always use that situation to bring glory to him, to bring a revelation to ourselves and to others in our community. He will always do it. Your times of challenge and pain are never without purpose if you follow Jesus Christ. If you don't follow Jesus Christ, you're in pain for no reason at all but to suffer, which is mindless because that's the work of the, the world, it's the work of the demonic, it's the work of, of the things that are, are not godly. It's the kingdom that opposes the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And if we don't understand that these two kingdoms are in constant loggerheads, we can find ourselves sitting in the wrong kingdom mentality. We've got to get our mentality changed to being in the kingdom of Jesus Christ mentality. It's not about, oh, am, I, am I in church? Do I go to church? It's, am I in his kingdom? Am I thinking like somebody in his kingdom who's reacting like somebody in his kingdom, not reacting like somebody who's not in his kingdom? And the trouble is, as Christians, we carry the banner Christian or we carry the title, but we actually live sometimes in the wrong kingdom in our mindset. We lived in a world kingdom in our mind, but we're in a spiritual kingdom that's at war with that kingdom. And that war is what produces these conflicts. It's not God trying to make life miserable. The fact is, if good is going to come in, the demonic, what is evil, will rise up against it. And as soon as the good is there, what is going to oppose it will make itself visible. It will try and compete. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, it's not about do I come to church, it's do I understand how this kingdom works? Because if I don't understand the kingdom, I'll be fighting or playing or doing what the world does. And we'll take everything on board as personal. We'll take everything on board as, as if it's me, I'm the failure, I'm the one who's got it wrong, I've messed up. The kingdom doesn't say that. The kingdom says, listen to Jesus. The kingdom says, align yourself with him. Be connected with him. If you're connected to his kingdom, if you're connected with Jesus, the, the, the king of that kingdom, then the other stuff starts to fall into place. And you realise all those values and those truths that he taught us start to have power because you're doing it for his purpose. And all of a sudden that kingdom battle ceases to be something that you're having to fight. God does it for us. He makes something good out of that situation. So our first calling is a calling to action. We're called to action. Um, we're called to have daring faith. And we'll touch that a little later. We're called to have daring faith. And, uh, and that daring faith will put us in places of vulnerability. It will. But don't worry about it. It's easy for me to say maybe. But you will have opposition. These kingdoms are, are competing with each other. Why? Because there's a high price and there's high value. Let's look at the scriptures. It says here that Saul was one of the witnesses uh, of this persecution. And he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. If you may remember that in Acts 7, at the end of Acts, the last series we looked at, Acts 7, Stephen was martyred, he was killed, he was stoned. And yet he, he looked into heaven, he saw heaven open. And he, you know, the glory of the Lord shone on that man. And he gave his life for Jesus. And he, that was the beginning of this great persecution. And it says, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. So Jerusalem, Judea, that's the Acts 1-8 parallel. 
Then verse 2, some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. To throw them into prison. We are all called to uh, misery. We're all called to ministry. (laughs) Why, why, Why don't you just turn to the person next to you and look at them for a second? What, what do you think? Good? Not good? Needs improvement? <laughs> Needs more makeup? <laughs> Needs less makeup? That person next to you is called to ministry. That person next to you is called to ministry by Jesus Christ. That person next to you, you are called to ministry. The world, the kingdom of this world, will tell you, you can't do it. I'm telling you, you can do it. Because God has called you for purpose. His calling is to equip you fully for what he wants you to do. It's not to be the bottom of the tree. It's not to be a failure. It's not to be battered. It's not to be bruised. It's to be someone who succeeds because Jesus is there with you. He's called us. But remember, he's called us first to be with Jesus. Let me give you an example. Any idea what that is? It's an extension cable. Who's got one of those in their house? They're really useful, aren't they? Uh, what are they used for? They're used for connecting electrical devices to the power supply, aren't they? It sounds a bit like our role as Christians. We're, we are connectors of people to God who is the source. We are not the source. Jesus Christ is the source. He's the source. We're like power cables. We're connectors and our job is to connect people. But if that plug is not plugged into the source, no matter what you plug into the socket, there'll be no power there. Now you may feel that actually I've got more capacity than two sockets. I'm a four socket person. (laughs) And some of you are already thinking I've got one with eight sockets at home. (laughs) But you might have eight sockets, but let me tell you that is as useless as a piece of wet string if you don't plug it into the source. And the danger is, as Christians, that we are sockets, or we have sockets on the end of our cables, but we're not plugged in. That's our danger. Our da- the kingdom of this world is, is trying to unplug you from the source by making you the point of reference, but you are not. You're the connector. You are a connector into God's source, into his power. And if we do that effectively, if we are connected, then everything that is attached to that cable will work. And the power will travel through you. The power was never designed to sit in you. <laughs> the power was designed to go through you. You never, saw, you never hear in the Bible of, of radioactive Christians who were just like so full of power they just glowed. They didn't. They just were ordinary people like you and me. They, in fact, almost every ministry in the New Testament, every single one of them were ordinary working people. Fishermen, Peter, James, John, professionals, Luke, he was a doctor. Working people. They weren't priests. <laughs> they, weren't, they hadn't spent five years in seminary. They hadn't got PhDs in theology. These guys were ordinary people, ordinary men, ordinary women. They were working people. Even in fact, the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, we looked at that in the last series. You know, even Rahab was a working girl. <laughs> she had to change her job, of course. But it's amazing. God used ordinary people who worked. And those working people changed lives. So, but they had to be plugged in. They had to be plugged in. And Saul, we just read about him, Saul had not yet got plugged in. But we'll read later in Acts 
9 that Paul gets plugged in. God does something amazing to connect him into his kingdom so, he, so that he will carry his power. So that power is designed to go through us. But when we, when we connect fully to God, we find that things can come against us. It's interesting. I'm going to dip into the Old Testament for a second. It says, When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, they mobilised all their forces to capture him. The Philistines are a picture in the Bible of the enemy of the kingdom of God. That's what they are. They're a picture of that. And we know that if you have studied the Old Testament in Samuel, that King David, at the age of 23, becomes the king of Judah. But it's not until he becomes the king of Israel as well that everything really rises up against him. And at this point in 2 Samuel 5, we read about David. He's just been anointed not only king of Judah, but now at the age of 30, he's the king of Israel, the combined nation, the people of God at that time in history. And at that point, um, the Philistines were mobilised. So don't be surprised in our walk that when things start to come together, when we start to feel the anointing, sense the anointing of God, that that which opposes God will rise up. It's just a heads up. We know it will happen. So when it happens, we have to think kingdom of Jesus Christ. We cannot think kingdom of this world. We cannot put ourselves in the kingdom of this world box. We have to have our mindset in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. God uses displaced people to accomplish bold-faced plans. He uses displaced people to accomplish bold-faced plans. You may not have realised this, but in 1 Peter 1, that, that letter from Peter is written with an introduction to the displaced people. And the sentence goes on. James also says the same thing, to the displaced people. So if you look at James 1, you can look it up in your own time. James 1.1 1, 1 says the same thing. In the New Testament, people were often displaced by God or in circumstances. Why? Because God was putting them into places for effectiveness. And that's where we as a church in many ways are. We're in a place where God is looking to make us super effective. He's calling us to action. Running with endurance, perseverance. We did that as the last series. But God, I believe right now, visionary speaking, this church is moving to a new chapter of its life. I absolutely believe it. You know, this week had the first conversation with a professional architect that we've had for probably six years, there or thereabouts. Why? Because we know that God's giving us a green light to talk about now building and extending and developing this site, physically the site. But we're not doing it because, because we want to just have a bigger building. We have to have big people who are reaching people. It's this whole connection responsibility that we've got. And I know that as we go forward during this next few months that we are going to start building things. We're going to launch the equip nights and we'll talk about that more next week. There's going to be equip nights and we're going to start bringing the opportunity for people to rise up in leadership. It's very, very real. I just want to say this morning that um, you know, Adam and I are talking. Adam's role is expanding. Adam is expanding. <laughs> He's getting larger than I've ever seen him. Um, it's true. I just, you know, anyway. Um, but you know what? There's some great things. We're talking about it. We're working on it. I, I shouldn't really talk before we talked, really. But, uh, but, uh, but even Vlad. Vlad is taking on a new responsibility in the church. And that responsibility is coming in now. So actually, he's going to become our point person for new people connecting with BCC across all age groups in the meetings. So he'll be more visible. But there are other leaders in this room who are taking more responsibility, want to be trained, want to be equipped. There are some who booked themselves into Bible school already. Uh, I'm speaking to a number of Bible colleges. I'm talking to principals. I'm putting AOG under a lot of um, 
pressure to, to give us what we need because we want disciples not only to come through and, and join our fellowship, but we want them to be fully equipped. Why? Because we know that as we grow here, our responsibility is to go. We grow and then we have to go. And so we're looking at how and where we go. Do we go more locally or do we go internationally? Probably both. We're going to be building teams that can expand the presence of God in our communities. Through this church, have a central base, but we'll be looking at the whole nature of what it is to plant. What does it really mean to plant? Who, do, who has to be in the mix? What gifting is required for it? It's not just a point person. It's the whole gift of ministries and activities in the life of the church. So we are going to look at that. Why? Because we want to equip everybody for the ministry that God's called you. But you've got to be with him first and let that power flow and then watch what happens. You don't have to solve all the endpoints. You just have to know that you're well connected in a sense. That's how it works. You know, if, um, if you've ever seen those programs um, where they have training in military combat zones and, and you see the SAS train. In fact, there was a thing on TV, wasn't there? Special Forces Ultimate Hell Week, I think it was called. I saw it. Who saw that? One of the guys, yeah, <laughs> and Trudy. <laughs> and uh, I watched it. I thought, wow, made my eyes water, the amount of pain. I saw the first night of that. And I think it was um, the Navy SEALs were training on the first night and 29 people, I think seven, seven dropped out within one night of the training started because it was so extreme. But why, are the, why is their training so extreme? Because people like the Navy SEALs, the SAS and equivalent groups are trained to be put in and behind enemy lines. They're designed and trained, their skills and developed to be leaders in hostile environments. And for us as believers, in a sense, that's, what, that's what's happened with Philip when he went to Samaria. All of a sudden, he is now in what he would have called the enemy's territory. And in fact, the way the Bible writes, it looks like he's on his own. It's absolutely extraordinary. So call to action, it's not about avoiding, it's about, it's about being involved. Brené Brown, a great um, author actually, um, she's an international bestseller number one in the New York Times author list at one point. Uh, she says, Daring greatly is about personal vulnerability rather than sitting on the sidelines and hurling judgment and advice. We must dare to show up and be seen. Now, you may, those smart ones amongst you, may have remembered that I used this, this, uh, this, um, this quote once before. But daring greatly is about being vulnerable. Why? Because if we're plugged in, to what God is doing, we're plugged into the master, we're plugged into God's power, then actually we don't have to solve everything, we just need to know that, that we are plugged in because God will be there with us. And it's a, it's a great example. So I'm just going to flip up our BCC values. Now some of you, many of you have seen these before, but I just want to remind us that this is, our, this is, these are our values here at BCC and maybe you're new. We want to be dare, daring to be different. We, we want to have a determined devotion to God. We want to activate spiritual disciplines. We want to relentlessly love people. We want to demonstrate increasing generosity. We want to have consistently and naturally innovative uh, approach to what we do. And we want to have a growing compassion. These things enable us to be different. They enable us to be daring. They enable us to, 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 to move with confidence. Because to do these things, you have to be connected. It can't be just attending. You have to be connected to the source. And um, I'm really excited about it. So, call to action. Call to action. The first thing. The second thing is call to confront. I hope you can read that okay. Yes, I think you can. Um, Acts 8, 4 to 8. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus Christ wherever they went. Philip, for example. What I find, I just want to stop there. Say, for example. For example. <laughs> for example. Philip, for example. 
I love that. He's just an example the scriptures are using of somebody who was scattered. And what an amazing scattered experience he had. Philip, for example, so there are others like Philip that we don't even have recorded. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralysed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So scattering is painful. Scattering is, is uncomfortable. Scattering is not what you want to have to experience. But God used that conflict to take that kingdom of God into new territories. So our enthusiasm should be to be willing to, to go, to be willing to be moved by God, to be willing to, maybe we've got to move out of our routines. Maybe things start by changing our routines. Maybe things start by changing the way we talk to people. Maybe things start by, by changing the way we think about people. Because our routines keep us locked into a, a place, really, a place of identity, a place of who we are. But God, if he's going to, draw us into new things, needs us to change the way we do what we do and to be willing to see us back. You know, it was great yesterday at the wedding. I'm, I love weddings. There's been a lot of weddings in the last few months and I love them because they are just a brilliant statement. You know, when we have weddings and we say that we're doing this to the glory of God, it gives great glory to God. When we celebrate a Christian wedding, it's about making vows before Almighty God. That's why these things are so important. They're not just something you do. They're something that brings God's blessing into people's lives. But um, I was at the reception yesterday and talking to a couple of uh, family members linked to the wedding. I had the most amazing conversation for a long time with a, a young couple who were married. And, uh, and he, he said, the, the, the chap said to me as the day went on, we had an amazing conversation. He said, I, I, I'm spiritual. And of course, that was the start point. I'm spiritual. I feel like I'm spiritually aware, but not connected to God. And as the conversation went on throughout the day, he started to make notes in his phone about good things to read from the Bible. Turns out he's actually read the Bible at the age of 12, had read it through, cover to cover, had a Catholic background. But something had happened in his journey that just disillusioned him, or maybe he just really never was brought to a place of connection. But I um, had an amazing chance to chat with him yesterday. I said, where do you live? And he lives quite a long way from here. I said, I wish you lived closer. We'd get together and you would change. <laughs> I just said to him, you will change. If we spent time together, you will change. And he looked at me and he, you could see the agreement on his face. Yes, I think I will or I would. And I'm just thinking, how can I get together with this guy again and help him to be navigated over those next steps? It was fascinating. And he, uh, towards the back end, he'd made notes about what to read in the book of Romans. He's going to get hold of a Bible. He's going to download one from the internet. He's going to start reading. He's going to start thinking about whether God's power is real. He said, you know, these values you talked about at the wedding, they're really good values, aren't they? I said, yeah, they all come from the Bible. I said, do you not know that the, all the things that build good business all come from the Bible? He said, I know, it's true. And he was in business and, and I you know, this guy's like on the beginning of that journey all over again. And he said, he looked at me and he said, but it's all right for you because you know who you are. He said, I don't know who I am. Isn't that incredible? But there are a lot of people who don't know who they are. And when we plug them into the source, they find out who they are. And when they get plugged in, the power of God comes in and energizes that which is otherwise dead. And that's our calling. So a call to confront. We've got to be willing to confront situations. 
and confront thinking and confront mindsets. You know, it's true on Wednesday evening, we just felt the Holy Spirit speak to us, we should be praying for anybody who's sick. And sure enough, a number of people put their hands up and instantly someone, all the pain in, in their back went when they were prayed for. Matt Fry was brilliant. He went and prayed and um, Layman was, it was Layman, is Layman here this morning? But um, it was just tremendous. There, how are you feeling? There you go. It was in pain. You'd hope, you don't mind me mentioning it. I've done it already, so <laughs> forgiveness is better than permission sometimes. Um, um, but you know what? David encountered opposition. As soon as the power comes in, um, David encountered opposition. And we, we talked about that earlier. But what does God do when, when the opposition comes? In the Old Testament, David showed us that God turns up as well. And he bursts through like a flood. He bursts through, this is what David explained, he bursts through my enemies like a raging flood. So, the name that, so we named that place Baal Perazim, which means the Lord who bursts through. The Lord of the breakthrough. You may have heard that. It's interesting because that's what it said. That brackets, by the way, is what it's got in the Bible. It's not often in the Bible you have brackets where it explains what that word means. So if it says... Um, so the, they named that place Baal Perazim and puts in brackets what that means. The Bible's trying to get us to understand, understand what this means. It means that God will break through when the opposition comes. God will break through. So you may feel that you're ill-equipped at the moment. You may be feeling that you are head-on against the Philistines. You may be feeling head-on against something that's opposing what you know is right. I'm telling you, you just trust God. You watch him. He will break through. And David went one step further. This is all in the, the same piece area of scripture. Um, then it goes on to say that God then told him what to do, told David, because there was another attack took place. And God said, when you hear the sound like, a march, like marching feet in the tops of the, the poplar trees, be on the alert because I'm moving. That will be the sign, the signal that the Lord is moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistine army. So God is moving ahead of us and he says, you need to know. He tells us what's going on. He wants us to be aware. That's why we've got to be connected. It's no good being oblivious to what God's doing. God is working with us because there is opposition. There is opposition. Believers with boldness see breakthroughs. I love it. Believers with boldness see breakthroughs. Now we talked about those cables and connection. How good would it be if every one of us were so connected to the source and we were not only connected to the source, but we had that connection with those in community. What could happen? Oops. <laughs> now that is Twickenham. Floodlit Twickenham. We've got the, the World Cup coming up this coming weekend. But look at those spotlights, those floodlights across that stadium. What do you notice about that stadium? Apart from the fact it's empty, everything is lit up. All you've got to do is connect the switch. You have to turn it on, turn the power on, and the light goes all over the place. In fact, one of these things about light, you know, why did God scatter the, the, the church or allow them to be scattered? Because they took light with them everywhere they went. And wherever you've got light, you have illumination. And once you've got illumination, people can see. And so we're plugging people in so they can have illumination and so they can see. And so when the lights are on, not only is it bright, but that light will go where you don't even know it's going. You get into your situation with someone, you start to have a different kind of conversation, you have a different kind of um, encounter, that light is shining and you don't know where it's going to illuminate, you don't know what it's going to touch, but what it will do is it will light up the situation in people's lives. Think, you don't need to explain all the scriptures to somebody, you just have to be you. You have to be you and plugged in. 
if you are you and plugged in and explaining how to be plugged in, then people want to be plugged in because they want light, they want, they want to know what's going on, they want information, they want to be able to see what all these things mean. They want to connect the dots, they want to, want to have answers. The light is very, very important. So we become the connectors to allow people to connect into the source. And how do we do that in BCC? Sunday Live. Bring friends. There's a bit of space in this morning. Now I know there's a lot of people connected to that wedding yesterday who are feeling very weary today. They'll all be at second service or there'll be trouble. <laughs> Won't they? You lot can tell them. But anyway, many of you were at the wedding and you were here, but there are, are others and they'll be here in the second service. But um, you know, there's space in here. There's space for us to bring more people in. But we've got activity through life groups. Had you thought of becoming a life group leader? Had you thought about connecting with a serving team in the life of the church? These are not voluntary roles per se, they're ministry roles. We want to change our language in the church. You may be a welcome, an outside welcome person, I, aka car park team, but you're ministry. You're ministry, you're a ministry person. You're bringing light to someone as they come down the drive. You're bringing light to someone as they, they connect with the church. Maybe you're inside welcome team or cafe team. The way you speak. The way you communicate, the way you smile, the way we ask people their names and and remember names if we can and remember information about people and and take the time to be bothered about people, that enables them to connect with us and then ultimately into the source. We could see this place absolutely explode by doing a good job of connecting, just literally enabling people to plug in. Maybe we don't want to plug in with people. Maybe we're frightened that they might see who we are, but I, I think don't worry about it. Let people connect to you and let people connect to the church because we are connected into God's source. So, you know, think about leadership. I want to challenge you. Think about your ministry call. It starts with serving, just like Philip and, and others in the New Testament. But God could have a whole plan for your life that starts by just saying, yes, I will. That's me. Now, you may have the busiest job in the world, but I know God can still work through you in the busiest job in the world. How do I know? Because I had a very, very busy job a few years ago. I still have a very busy job, incidentally. But um, a few years ago, it was extraordinary. (laughs) Now I don't do anything. (laughs) It's not true. This week has been back to back, as the team know. But, um, you know, it's just extraordinary. You can travel between countries, be on Skype calls internationally. You can have teams. I had teams all around the world. You could have big financial responsibility, handling hundreds of thousands, dare I say millions of pounds or dollars, whatever your currency is. You might be someone who's innovating business development. You might be caring for kids. You might be a doctor. You might be working in schools. And the amount of overhead now, even the preschool at the Ark, this week we've been handling the overhead of just running a preschool. It's a huge amount of work. Chris does a tremendous job and we love her for it. But um, there's a lot going on. But in our busyness, if we're connected, no matter how busy we are, God's power can flow through us. But we've got to know that we're connected to him. The connection is what counts. That connection and then that availability. You know, um, I'm so looking forward to the, the week of prayer and fasting. We always have earthquake the Sunday night before that week. And there are going to be some people not in our church come to that evening. We're looking to have some of the youth band be involved in that evening. That's going to be good, isn't it? We've actually invited another friend of ours who's connected with us in leading us another small church initiative to come and be with us on that that evening why because we're not exclusive we're inclusive we want people to touch the holy spirit all we've got to do is get people to touch god and they'll change they'll get lit up you know um i love this chapter because um, it reminds me of a trip i made to ethiopia a number of years ago and god by his grace um enabled me to speak to 
Muslim background believers, men and women who've given their lives to Jesus Christ in Ethiopia, who are from a Muslim cultural background. Just extraordinary. And 70 or 80 of them in a, in a field inside a shed for three or four days as we taught them about understanding God's call. And uh, just, it's, I'm vivid in my mind because there's the sound of the, the, call, the calling from the local mosque in the field, you know, literally next door to this field. And in this field where, where all these people's lives are at great risk and great danger, God has reached in and changed them. And I've got the privilege of telling them <laughs> about the call that God's given them. And yet at the end of the two or three, four days that we were together, the, these men and women were so absolutely determined to be connected to God, they just threw themselves on the floor to show their humility and serving heart before Jesus Christ. Just by asking them, who wants to live a life for Jesus? And they threw themselves on the floor. Do we throw ourselves on the floor for anything? We don't. We're, we're, we're too comfortable. We're, we're in our routines and, and our problems become so big because I, I didn't get this sorted out. I didn't drop this at the post office and I didn't, I didn't, oh, I forgot to get the milk from Tesco's. You know, and yet you've got people around this world where God is moving in immense power and the, the cost to them is colossal and they will give everything just to know that Jesus Christ is speaking to them and be connected. We are in a great place as a church, great people, but God wants to do more with us. He wants us to, to be drawn out and to be carriers and to be connected fully with what he's doing. And, uh, you know, thinking about Ethiopia, a dear couple, well, I shouldn't call them a dear couple, Simon and Lig Cordwell, were sent out from this church many years ago, um, many years ago, to, to become Bible translators. They trained with Wycliffe Bible translators. Um, they had to learn how to do translation. Then they had to learn the Ethiopian national language. And then they had to learn from that language how to write down an unwritten language called Basketo. And they went through the trouble to learn all that, to actually document an unwritten language in southwest Ethiopia cut off for many months of the year by rain and mountains. You couldn't, there were no made roads to it, had to travel overland, and you just couldn't get through at certain times. They had to build a house. And by the way, they had two young kids, and they were sent out from this church, and, um, and they just felt God's call. But you know the difference? They not only heard God's call, they did something about it. And sometimes, I think God's speaking to us all the time, myself. I think sometimes we've got cotton wool in our ears, <laughs> and there are things that dominate our thinking that really shouldn't be there. And there are things that become too big in our life that we've got to strip back a little bit and listen and then do what God says. Now, I'm not saying we've all got to go to Ethiopia, but if we do do what God says, then things will happen. And I'll tell you more about what happened to those guys a little bit later. Our third point is a call to navigation. You know, power without peace is poison. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, Robert Morris, um, who's a pastor in America, used this expression in, in a preach recently. He said, power without peace is poison. And was, as we read Acts 8, we come across this verse, verse uh, 12. It says, um, well, actually, just before it, we come across this man called Simon, the sorcerer, who deals in magic arts. And he was able to do supernatural things. And in fact, in his community, he was called the Great One. The, the power of God, they called him. But the danger is, having power... Without peace is poison. And there are people who are looking for power. They don't really have a God heart. In this case, Simon really wanted to know more about the power of God. He wanted to connect. But anyway, Acts 8 verse 12. 
says that, um, but now the people believe Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God. We were talking about these two kingdoms at war and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptised. Many men and women were baptised. What's the strongest force opposing you doing what God wants you to do right now? What's the strongest force? What's the thing that's stopping you or blocking you being more effective as a Christian right now? What is it? If we take the time to think about that, what is it? What is it? What is it? What's the strongest force opposing you right now? If you were to say, the strongest thing in my life that's stopping me, stopping me, really moving the power of God, what is it? It's not God's Holy Spirit, by the way. It's something else. Because God's Spirit is there for us, and we've got to have confidence and boldness to work with Him. But there's something else. There'll be something else that's blocking us. And, and you know, it's a bit like the Philistines. They, write, they try and create a battle to distract the purpose. The battle becomes the distraction. But then God will move in. But we need to draw God into what we're doing. What is it that's blocking us? What's opposing us? What's stopping us fill this church? What's stopping us having these seats filled every Sunday and, having, and moving into the cafe? Yesterday there were 240 people in here, right back into the cafe. What's stopping us? I know we've gone to two services, which is great, but we can grow this place. We can create the connection. We can, we can bring God's spirit into people's situations. What's stopping us? And it says in Acts 8, verse 13, it says, Simon himself believed and was baptised. He was just overwhelmed by the power that he actually saw in, in Philip. Um, he began following Philip wherever he went. Now that's interesting, isn't it? If God's power is in us and we're able to, to live in, in God's power in all sorts of different dimensions, not just healing, by the way, it could be other things. It said he began following Philip wherever he went. You'll have people following you to understand. And he was amazed by the signs and great miracles P- Philip performed. Verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted good God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is for all of us. And I really felt that God spoke to me in the summer that, that our plans are important, but his power is vital. Our plans are important, but his power is vital. There are some things that just won't happen without God's power being brought into the situation. This church is a church with humongous power potential. Why? Because we understand the Holy Spirit. We know it, and when there's freedom here, this earthquake night coming up in in September could be a catalyst for immense things in the church. But why don't we start now? Why don't we start now with, with saying, God, I want your power. I don't want to solve it all with my head. I want to see it solved with your power. I want your power in situations. I want to default not to the kingdom of this world thinking, oh, woe is me. I can't cope with this. They don't like me. My boss doesn't like me. No, no, forget all that. Well, you can't forget it, but I'm not saying, I'm, don't major on it. Step into God's kingdom in your mind and say, God, what is your kingdom? Well, we have the name of Jesus for a start. There is power in the name of Jesus. We speak the name of Jesus into situations. It will change. There is power in the name of Jesus. We then pray for situations. We believe and then we take actions. But we can do all sorts of things. We can forgive people. Forgiveness is one of the most powerful weapons in the kingdom of God. Do you realise that? A caring word for someone is one of the most powerful weapons because the world doesn't care about people. It chews them up and spits them out. When we approach situations with God's power, Not trying to bully people into things, but we bring the name of Jesus, the word of God, the ability to pray, forgiveness, a caring word, demonstrating grace, an invitation, a navigation 
It is amazing. Our call to navigate, our call to navigate is a call to navigate people, no matter what the conflict, no matter what the conflict. Um, but if we're going to rely on the Holy Spirit, there are some basic things. I, I was looking at 1 Corinthians 14 in my devotions this week. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. We don't have enough prophecy in our church. And by prophecy, I don't mean in the meetings, by the way. I'm talking about in life. Prophecy is designed for life. It's not designed for Sunday morning. Though we do have prophecy in our meetings. There'll be prophecy in the earthquake meetings. But prophecy, the church, is designed to operate outside of the building. You see my point? So prophecy is about strengthening the entire church outside the building. Because that's where its mission is. It's, see, that's what Philip was doing. He was led to Samaria. He went to Samaria and he, he, he allowed these gifts to work through him. The gift of prophecy is the Holy Spirit telling you about something to do with the person or the situation that's going to happen either now or in the future. That's what it is. Words of knowledge, prophecy. And once you speak into someone's life, understanding something about who they are in their future, <coughs> they'll change. We should be praying that God will really rise up his power in our church. More than tongues, but prophecy as well. God will navigate us to people. Why? Because he wants us to lead people to Jesus. God will navigate us to people in order for us to navigate them to Jesus. That's his call, that's his purpose. You know, in this book of um, Acts 8, or this chapter of Acts 8, in the midst of this incredible thing that we could only call some sort of revival in Samaria, an angel speaks to Philip. And in all the power demonstration, in all the move of God that's going on in this city, where it says there was great joy, in all of that. So you've got people being healed, people coming to faith, people getting baptised, people getting baptised in the Holy Spirit. In all of that move of God, in a, in a Gentile setting, you, you think, wow, he'd set up a church and plant a building. He didn't. He listened to God. An angel came to him and said, go south. Go again. Go again. And he went south. And he went south. And what did he do? He eventually encountered an Ethiopian eunuch who is the pioneer of the church in Ethiopia today. That's who he met because he listened to God. We could have got so consumed with being the church that he failed to listen to God. And we've got to be careful we don't get consumed with being church and fail to listen to God. He went south and then what did he do? He listened to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, cross over and go to the chariot. That's what he said to him later on. I think it's verse 21. Go to the chariot. Why? To meet the Ethiopian. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was about to reveal the power and the kingdom of God to that man. Extraordinary. So as we come to the end, we're going to have a song in just a moment. So Adam, perhaps you could join me. You know, God's intention is always a go intention. We do draw. There's no question about it. But this is a resourcing draw for a growing call. And this morning, as we get into this series... And the guys will do a fantastic job of communicating some powerful aspects of the Word of God. God is going to do things in your life. He's going to do things in your life. Your lives, your life. He will do things. He's going to do things in my life. This next three months, you watch what happens. Let's allow, what's God saying to me this morning? What's God saying to you this morning? What's He pointing at this morning? What's God challenging us on this morning? Because he's preparing us to go. He's preparing us to be a connector. He's preparing us for what lies ahead. He's preparing us. And we as leaders are looking to be fully involved in what God is doing. 
And as I reflect back against Simon and Lynn, you know, who were sent out from this church, God said, go to them, and they went. And not only did they learn to be translators, the, the skill of translating, they not only went and learnt the Ethiopian language, they not only went and wrote down Basqueto for the first time in history, they then translated Basqueto, or the New Testament, into Basqueto. And this year, the first 10,000 New Testaments have been shipped to Ethiopia in the Basqueto language. You know how many years it took them to do it? 21 years. A 21-year call. Now, they did the work a number of years ago, and it's taken time to refine it and make sure it was theologically just, you know, all the stuff you have to do in check and balance. But when there's a call, there's a call. And sometimes we want to just do our drive through McDonald experience. We just want to get our six, six nuggets and a barbecue sauce and a, and a vanilla shake. And that's our experience of Christianity. And you might be here this morning thinking, well, if God doesn't speak to me, I'm off and I'm out of here. You know what? 21 years later, a sub-nation of people have their own language written down and they've got a New Testament and there are people coming to faith today because of what was done. And uh, we'll get Simon Lynn into the church at some point in the next few months to share with you the, the story that they, they experienced. But that's the call. The call is, it may be right now to you. It may be over this next three months. It may be over the next year or two. It might be the next... 20 or 30 years but if you hear God call you've got to respond our response our challenge in this series is to respond a respond to action to a challenge to confront those things that need to be changed and our challenge is to to navigate those that God brings into our world and to connect to them so why don't you stand with me this morning Adam could you lead us through um, a suitable song we'll just let God speak to us for a few minutes before we close the meeting.